0: Our Bible reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 5. You can find it on page 1031 of the Bibles under the seats in front of you. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Here ends our reading.
1: If it works.
0: Good morning everyone let me pray
1: father we do thank you we can be here as we start the year and father open our hearts and our minds to see the wonders in your word about our lord jesus and give us faith and obedience we pray in jesus name amen well, let me just say a very warm welcome to people who are visiting from outside of Manly. I know that this time of the year we always have visitors, some from not too far away, some from overseas. Great to have you join us for our 10 o'clock service. And we're starting a new series here as we start the new year. And I do want to say a very happy new year to everyone. I hope it's been a very good start to the year. And for the next few weeks, uh, we've got a series called Regrets. I've had a few. And there's no doubt as you start a year, one of the things we do is we look back and we think, boy, I don't want to do that again. Uh, anyone here in that boat you think you know I've made some mistakes and as we look forward we think I'm going to make a resolution that I'm not going to do that in fact I'm going to do this now I've got a resolution I'm not going to tell you at this moment because I've only kept it for two days Um, I'll tell you later on how I'm going but that's the time of year we're at and we want to look in this series at particularly the Apostle Peter he's a great character And he's kind of one of those very human figures that you see in the Bible. Um, He's larger than life, he's into everything, he speaks before he thinks and he does some things wonderfully well and makes some terrible mistakes and I'm sure he looks back on the end of his life and thinks, gee, I wish I didn't do that and now the whole world through all of history knows about my mistakes. So hopefully we can learn from his mistakes and actually not make them ourselves and not have the regrets. But I was thinking about regrets in general, and I suspect if we're honest, um, all of us will have things in our life where there's a sense of regret about... Now, we've just come through Christmas, and I wonder if you've had any regrets about how much food you ate. Um, Now, if you come to my mother's house, she's an incredible lady, um, 83, still going strong, no sight at all of kind of giving up Christmas lunch... She bakes the turkey, she bakes the ham, roast veggies, we have entree with that, we have nibbles, we had prawns, we had wontons, you name it, we had it. And then you're kind of stuffed and then you get to the end of that and then she's cooked the homemade steamed Christmas pudding with the homemade brandy sauce. And then to add to that, you've got the freshly homemade pavlova with cream. And then to kind of give it a semblance of health, she's also got fruit salad to go with it it kind of makes you feel a bit better but what you realise is you haven't eaten one dessert you've actually eaten three and then you go off and have a sleep and you wake up and again she goes oh it's now dinner time and we have leftovers and we do it all again and you wake up the next morning and you think why did I eat so much because it tasted so good and you have this conversation going on now they're kind of more superficial but I wonder um, real estate has been a big thing here in Sydney the last year or two and I'm sure there's people here who thought boy I wish I'd bought two years earlier And there's a significant regret there but I think the more significant ones really are about our relationships that we have regrets with and I was thinking about in my own life um, there's one particular significant relationship of my best friend growing up and I remember saying some things um, at a point in my life having been converted and he took them if I can say in a way that I did not intend them to be taken had significant impact And he hasn't really spoken to me since. And in fact, I've tried many times to try and work out where he is, to try and reconnect and be reconciled, but it's just not been possible. And I was thinking about this in terms of the sermon. There's a deep sense of regret about what was said that day. And if I had it again, I wouldn't have said those words. Um, They weren't meant to be hurtful, but they were just taken in a way that he took uh, very significantly. And that's the problem of relationships and words. Once they're out... You can't get them back and there's no doubt we can have great regrets about things that have said and things we've done which really affect relationships it can be very very significant now i was thinking about this whole topic as i thought about the regrets i've had and i thought look what advice does the internet have for us and you've got all kinds of bloggers and books that offer well-meaning advice, Uh, there are apparently 43 life lessons to live with no regrets, there are actually 20 signs that you really do live with no regrets, apparently there's 13 things that you should do to live with no regrets, what I liked was if you've got courage then there are 10 courageous ways to live and have no regrets, apparently if you've got courage you don't need as many things to do, you just won't have any regrets. Anyway that's the wisdom of the internet. Now why I mention that is because there's no doubt when you think about living with no regrets and it's a catchphrase kind of for our society these days um, there's lots of wisdom there and when you read through it some of it's very helpful. I don't want to be disrespectful at that level there's some very helpful things that you can reflect on to help you think about the wise life but there was a very consistent theme if I can put it this way or probably better a consistent omission in the way the world thinks about regrets i could only find one reference in all of the different materials that i looked at that had any reference to god and living a life of no regrets and i read this one with great interest because my first reading i hadn't seen any and then i stopped and looked at this one it was listed number eight on the list Um, you've got to realize that god's in control of your world and then i read through what was actually spoken and it had nothing to do with God (laughs) that was the incredible thing and I say that because this life is not all there is the wise life is lived in relation to God and you think about um, trying to live a life with no regrets and these are the kind of images that you'll often see people jumping for joy when they uh, think about their life they've got um, Arthur Stace was the man famous for penciling or chalking across the Sydney streets of the CBD, one word, eternity. And what he wanted to communicate to the people of the city so many years ago was that all of us face eternity. And I think if you want to think wisely about living a life with no regrets, you must think of it in eternal terms. This life is so short and brief in comparison to eternity and if i can sharpen the question what are we to make of god and how do you live wisely with him now i reckon that's a great question to ask on the third of january first sunday of the year as we start the year together with god how do we live wisely under him this year I'd love us to uh, turn up our bibles to luke chapter 5 to get jesus wisdom on this now if you've got uh a bible in front of you in the pews it's page 1031 1031 and it's one of my favorite stories that we're going to look at this morning luke and he's recording when jesus sent the apostles fishing and if you've known me at all you'll know i'm a great fisherman And uh, I wouldn't say I'm great in the sense of outstanding, but I like to do it a lot, if I can just clarify that. Um, I do love going out fishing, and so I do resonate with this story. And it's the first time in Jesus' ministry that you see him interacting with the Apostle Peter. He wasn't the Apostle Peter now, he's basically Simon Peter. And you see this in the story as we go through it. Um, He's called Simon, and he's later on, uh, Jesus changes his name to Peter. And Peter is, um, if I can say, a wonderful character, looked at, character to look at. And Jesus gave him the name Peter. The word Peter means rock. And he gave him that name because he said, you will become the rock for the church. And as we go through and see Jesus' different interactions with Peter, what you'll see is Peter can be denying Jesus, he can be rebuking Jesus, he can be doubting Jesus, or he can just be saying dumb things in front of Jesus. And we kind of get a bit of that today as we look at this first incident with Peter as he engages with the Lord Jesus. Uh, You could say, for those who like Seinfeld, who likes Seinfeld here? Uh, Peter is kind of the George Costanza of the Apostles, okay? He just puts it out there. Now, to give you the context for this story, Luke chapter 5, Jesus has come... He's done a few, if I can say, miracles publicly and he now starts to teach. And I'll read from chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake at Deneset, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people From the boat and so Jesus has got the boats because you see a great crowd has gathered before him and he needs basically a bigger platform so he can speak to more and more people who are coming to hear him and so he thinks I'll jump in the boat and I'll push out a bit so that I can have if I can say greater capacity to speak to the hundreds that are coming and so he does that and so he asks Peter if he can use his boat which he did And then he gets to the end of the message and we read in verse 4 that he says these words to Peter or Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now that's not a strange word to say to a fisherman, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch, except fishermen typically don't be like told uh, fishing advice from preachers or carpenter's sons and that's what Jesus was. And he's telling the professionals, actually, this is what you need to do. But you see, that wasn't the real problem. Simon, Peter, answered, this is verse 5, Actually, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now, I feel like God prepared me for this message this week. Now, without boasting, normally when I go out, I actually do catch fish. And uh, there's a guy from 5 o'clock uh, service who'd been asking me if I could go out with him. And so I rang Tony up and said, look, I'm going out this week. And uh, I went out on Wednesday morning early. And uh, he said to me, Bruce, can you guarantee me we're going to catch something? Now, let me say, every fisherman knows. That's why they call it fishing, not catching. You go fishing. And I said, Tony, I never guarantee anything, but I'm feeling very confident. That's all I'll say. We went out and we did not even turn a reel. Now, in Fisherman Speak, uh, we got doughnuts. Zero strikes, zero hookups, zero fish, zero, 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 donuts. And we came in and we're sitting at Little Manly and we're having a coffee about nine o'clock and I'm thinking, well, that was a waste of time. And I can relate to what Peter is going through and I thought, yes, this is why God has done this because I've got to preach on this passage today. Hopefully next time I go out, having read this passage, the boat's going to be overflowing with fish. Anyway, that's my faith. I'll see what happens. But you see, they'd gone out all night, not just for a couple of hours like me, and they're in a boat. And I'll just say, when you're in a boat back in those days, you don't have winches or cranes to pull the nets in, which you do on modern trawlers. And you press a button and up it comes. No, they would have had large nets and they would have had to throw them over in the middle of the night, drive around or sail around or row around, and then literally, physically them back in and they've done that through the night. Nets go over, nets have to get pulled back up. Nets go over, nets get pulled back in. That morning they've come in as the sun has come up and they probably would have had repairs to do on the nets. They've been trawling over probably some rough ground, nets would break and so you've got to fix them each time that you bring them in and they're exhausted. Now they've had the grace to sit and listen to Jesus and he's saying to them actually just go out and put uh, your nets out and do it all again. Go out into deep water and drop your nets. And I think the disciples would have rightly thought, are you crackers? And if you'd said to me at nine o'clock on Wednesday morning as I sat and had my coffee, Bruce, just go out and put your line down the deep water and you're going to catch some fish, I would have looked at you and said, no. (laughs) I'm going home, I'm going to clean the boat. It's not happening today. But listen to what Peter says. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets." So why did Simon Peter do what Jesus told him to do? Well, it's interesting, if you read through the Gospels, you'll know that at this point in the story, Peter has already seen his mother-in-law be healed by the Lord Jesus. And so he knew Jesus had extraordinary power. It's not blind faith. But nobody says. He's reluctant, but he does it. But he says literally it's because of your word and if you want to know what faith is here's a great example of it faith is taking jesus at his word it's trusting in his word that's what it means to have faith it means we trust the word that god speaks to us in the bible we have faith in his word And I want to say, as we start out the year for 2.15 and as it unfolds, think about this because Jesus wants us to trust Him and His Word and to walk with Him by trusting and obeying Him. Well, let's see what happens, verse 6 and 7. When they'd done so, they went back out, they put their nets down in the deep water, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Oh, what a happy day for any fisherman that I know. And so they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Now, this isn't isn't just a dream catch. Normally, you go out and you can spend hours fishing to catch a few fish. No, it happened immediately. But secondly, the catch was so large that the nets began to break. Thirdly, the catch had so many fish that one boat was not enough. And fourthly, the sheer number of fish was so large that even two boats began to sink because of the weight of fish that they had caught now you can try and explain this miracle away if you want and many people have tried to do that but it's worth saying if you do that you've actually got to explain away every miracle because this is like all of the miracles one that was witnessed firsthand by the disciples who became the apostles and these weren't just any witnesses they were professional fishermen This was their trade. They'd never seen anything like this. You've got Peter and Andrew, you've got James and John. And there's this great sense of, wow, we've never seen anything like this. But I want you to note Peter's response. Because Peter, when you see him in the Gospels, he typically does two things. He'll get something right, but at the same time get something wrong. It's kind of his impulsive nature. There's something that's on the money. There's something that actually he just blew his money. Now, just let me pause before I reflect on it as you think about this incredible catch in Peter's response. I often say to people, there are three questions that can change your life in relation to God. And they're three questions about Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're new to the Christian faith, I would say to you, and I say this to everyone who's new to the Christian faith, these three questions can actually change your life when you work them out. First one is this, who is this Jesus? Who is this person that through history has been worshipped as the living God? Secondly, what has he done for you? And thirdly, how is he calling you to respond to him? You see, as you read through the story of Jesus in the Gospels... These are the three questions we need to keep coming back to every year. Who is this man? What has he done? And what is he calling me to do? How am I to respond to him? Well, let's have a look at Peter's response. Because it's not just that sense of astonishment, which his companions were, for all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had taken, verse 9 said. Now have a look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this he fell at Jesus knees and said go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man now historically people have made two errors when it comes to understanding about Jesus the first one is they failed to see his divinity they just see that he's a man very significant man a kind of inspired man had kind of powers to do things but just a man And they fail to see that he is God in the flesh as we sing at Christmas time Emmanuel. The other mistake people can make is they fail to see Jesus' humanity. Christians often can do that. The second mistake of seeing his humanity is not the one that Peter makes. Peter knows that this Jesus was a man, he'd seen him grow up. He would have known him as the carpenter's boy but what he now glimpses is that Jesus is far more than the carpenter's son and there's two things he does here, firstly he falls to his knees. Now you think about the context that you see people falling to their knees. Now if I fall at a woman's knees my wife is down here, first time I've got to come and sit down the front and I do this, now that I'm married it probably means I've made a big mistake, (laughs) And it's probably got flowers with me. But there was a point in my life when I knelt before her and said, will you marry me? And she took five days to say yes. (laughs) Anyway, I waited. (laughs) Lucky for me, she says. (laughs) Lucky for both of us, Kath. (laughs) But there's another time people fall on their knees. You'll see people fall on their knees when they recognise they're in the presence of greatness. People will kneel before kings. The other time they'll do it is when they're pleading for mercy and they literally will kneel down and plead for their life. Peter is not putting an engagement ring in front of this man Jesus. He hardly knows him. But what he does work out is that he's in the presence of greatness and notice what he calls him go away from me lord that's a striking title it doesn't mean sir in the sense of just a respectful title it's a far higher title now i don't think peter's worked out that jesus actually is god in the flesh yet But what he does work out is that he's in the presence of someone whom God is powerfully at work in there's a God quality about Jesus that makes him kneel down in fear go away from me Lord why because I'm a sinful man and you see what he works out correctly is who Jesus is i don't think fully but there's this great sense of which he understands he's in the presence of god somehow and no peter is not playing that modern silly game that we can play where we end up lying to ourselves that we are better than what we are or disrespect god and think he has no standards god will just accept me because he will accept everyone no he says away from me i'm a sinful man You see we often try to get god to agree with us that we're good enough for him because we're good people but peter got it right jesus he realized was both powerful he was in the presence of god somehow and he's perfect and he was sinful and unfit to be in his presence But here's where Peter gets it wrong and this is the mistake he makes and the regret he would live with he tells Jesus to what go away go away from me I want you to think about that religion is about how we seek to reach up to God And we think somehow we will merit favour with God based on our goodness, our performance, our religious attributes, our religious deeds. And somehow that will lift us up. The Christian faith is the opposite. It says actually we'll never be able to lift ourselves up because we're not good enough to be lifted up. In fact, we've failed. And it's about a God who's come down to us. And you see, this is the message of the gospel. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came down to us. And you think about what happened three years from this day. And it's Good Friday. The first Good Friday. And if you were in the temple that day, you would have witnessed a monumentous event. In the temple, there was a massive curtain that was erected. And it separated the people from where god dwelt in the holy of holies and that temple that was across there communicated to everyone who came in that you had to stay away that you could not come close and it said you must stay away because of your sin but on the day when jesus died that temple curtain was torn in two symbolic of the fact That entrance to the Holy of Holies, to relationship with God, was now open. And that's why Jesus says, come to him. It's why the first word to Peter is, do not be afraid. Have a look at verse 10b. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you'll catch men. You see, what Jesus is saying is, come. I know you're sinful and Jesus knows he will die for him he says come you see we approach God on the basis of his grace and not on the basis of our merit or our good works no matter what you've done no matter what you've become don't stay away don't go away from God the gospel actually calls us to come to God don't hide from God but rather approach him through Jesus. Don't pretend with God. You see, God knows all of our faults. What he wants us to do is actually confess them to him. In other words, agree with him about the truth of our life so that we can change and move forward. Don't resist God, but rather repent. Turn back to God. Don't doubt God, but rather believe in him. Don't try and clean yourself up first, but rather let him clean you up. The interesting thing with fishing, given that we're talking about a fishing story, is this. You don't clean the fish in the water before they're in the boat. You catch them in the boat, then I take them home, and then I fill up them and clean them. And you see, that's what happens with us. God calls us to come, and then he cleans us up. Don't follow your dreams, follow Jesus. And when you do that everything changes and you see it in the way this story works out and finishes the disciples knew deep down there was something incredibly special and divine about this Jesus they couldn't articulate at this point in the story they'd only just met him but yet there was an irresistible power and compelling nature to the call of the Lord Jesus to come to him And it says they literally left everything and followed him. Do you want to live with no regrets in your life? Then learn from the Apostle Peter. And he wrestled with who this Jesus was. And his first mistake was to underestimate Jesus' identity. And Jesus calls people to come to him and when we come it changes our life completely it gives you a purpose and meaning in life as you serve the lord of the universe and are involved in extending his kingdom if i can put it this way don't be the one that got away you see on the final day we will all have to face god and the lord jesus And we don't want to hear him say to us, those chilling words, away from me. Why? Because I never knew you. What we want Jesus to say is, welcome, good and faithful servant. You trusted me, you followed me. You see, there's a big difference between knowing about Jesus and actually trusting Jesus with your life. Let me finish with the story of Charles Blondin. Blondin was one of the greatest tightrope walkers that history had known from the early part of last century. And he used to walk across a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. He'd done it many times. He'd done it blindfolded. He'd done it on stilts. And one day, true story, he had a wheelbarrow. And he's up there on the tightrope. And the crowd has gathered to watch as they did The great famous blondin the tightrope walker and blondin is saying today i'm going to walk across with a wheelbarrow do you think i could take a person with me in the wheelbarrow successfully and the crowd cheers yes yes blondin we think you're the greatest you can do it and he says again do you really think i can do it yes you're the greatest and he looked at the crowd he said okay who's the first one to get in and there was silence And the crowd just looked around at their feet. And one brave soul put his hand up and said, I'll do it. And he got in the wheelbarrow and he took him across. And you see, everyone knew he could do it, but only one person was actually prepared to trust him. And it's the same with the Lord Jesus. He calls us to come to him and trust him to have our sins forgiven. Our life restored and to start following him with our life we actually need to put our life in his hands and walk with him as our Lord and Saviour don't underestimate Jesus identity it is one of the greatest mistakes people can ever make he is God in the flesh who died on a cross and he calls us to come and friends as we start the year may we reaffirm that trust and that relationship in our life that whatever happens this year what we're going to do is trust and follow and obey the Lord Jesus who is the Living Lord and friends if you're not quite sure about whether you've done that or whether you believe that we'd love you to talk we'd talk further with you after the service or for you to join the soul course but let me finish by praying for us now as we start this year that we won't live with regrets but rather we will see the lord jesus and come to him every day let me pray father we thank you for the incredible grace that flows from the lord jesus his love for us his acceptance of us Father, help us never to turn away from him, but rather to come to him. Father, this year ahead, we'll go through many and various trials, difficulties, also blessings and joys. May you be at the centre of them all as we trust you and follow you in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Max is now going to come up and we're now going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and he's going to lead us in that. Thank you, Max.